Welcome to Desert Gardens, everybody. Uh, may the Lord be with you all and working in your hearts this morning. Um, I'm going to flip to the part where it has the announcements. Men's Bible study this week? Yes. Okay. And uh, talk to Robert about that uh, for the times. Uh, adopt the missionaries. Uh, October is the Navajo CEF. And we do make a contribution to their ministry. Uh, the women's Bible study. Tuesdays. Tuesday mornings at what time? 10. 10, okay. Come join Linda and encourage her. Uh, the Gospel Rushing Mission uh, table is looking a little thin over there. Um, if you're at the store this next week um, and something jumps into your cart, um, bring it with you and we can share it with others, yes. Um, and with that, I'd just like to open us up in a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ who paid the penalty for our sins and that we could have a relationship with you and that we are using this building as to corporately praise the name of Jesus. And Father God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit be leading us this morning in all aspects of this service. And we just commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. And since I'm here already... the clouds of life. The Lord went before them in the day by a pillar of a cloud to lead the way. The clouds will come. They are part of our life. But by God's grace, we need not to be pressed by them. Just as the clouds can protect us from the brightness of the sun, life's clouds can also reveal the glory of God. And from their lofty heights, God can speak to us. Like the children of Israel, we are travelers to the promised land. As they traveled through the wilderness, the Bible says, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead the way. Perhaps like them, you are passing through a wilderness in your own life right now. It may be the, <clears throat> excuse me, it might be the wilderness of a broken marriage, financial issues, a major disappointment, or a life-threatening issue. It may be the, also the wilderness of doubt or sin. But God is with you in this wilderness, and he goes before you to encourage you and to guide you. He brought the children of Israel through the wilderness, and he will bring you through yours as well, as you look to him in faith. Never forget, he is the living God and steadfast forever. And the hope for today, the children of Israel knew that the presence of God was in the cloud, and they only moved when it moved. When we can view our clouds the same way, God is still with us, and we will wait for him to move. Let us worship.
Before I uh, <clears throat> read from Proverbs 6, I'm going to read a little one line from Proverbs 30, verse 5, which we discussed this morning in our Sunday school class. And it says, The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. And I've had some experiences with ants recently. Ant hills are growing and getting bigger and bigger, and they're excavating their palaces beneath the ground, and all we see is this mound that is rising. Well, I observed this over a period of weeks, this growing mound and robbing of my chicken food and taking it back to their hill. And one day I went out and they were gone. There was not a single ant anywhere that I could see. And I thought, has some plague overtaken ants? Ants are fundamental to the ecology, right? Where did they go? And the Lord took me to this Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. And in it, the mystery is revealed. It reads, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, prepares her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. The plants had done, the ants had done their job. It was time for them to retire for the winter and the fall and reap the benefits of their labor. And so they're down there. You know, something happens to disturb them. They send out some repair ants and they keep, keep it in good order. And God's creation keeps going no matter what we do wrong. And the rest of Proverbs 6, how long will you slumber? O sluggard, when will you rise from your sleep? A little folding of the rest, hands to rest, a little sleep, a little slumber, so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Now's the time. If you'll stand with me, we can do the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Welcome one another to the house of the Lord.
and anybody knows anything about baseball, it's time for the pinch hitter to step up to the plate again. Um, the scripture reading this morning is found in Hebrews 4, uh, verses 12 through 16. And it talks about the power of God's word. And can we get an amen on that one? <laughs> Here it is. For the word of the Lord is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even into the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we do have. Seeing that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as like we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain, a, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And if you would, um, as we have the, uh, the reading today, is it up there? Or do you have it? All right. Almighty God, gracious Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon your faithful people. Keep them steadfast in your word. Protect and comfort them in all temptations. Defend them against all their enemies and bestow on the church your saving peace. Through your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. With you and the Holy Spirit. One God, now and forever. Amen. And if uh, we just um, consider the offerings that uh, we, we give, not only financially but prayerfully, Lord, we just ask that uh, the gifts that you have given us to use to be ministered to your community, uh, may this be a lighthouse in this little body that we can uh, take the gifts and talents that we have and bring them before you to be used for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And if we'd stand for the doxology. Well, good morning. So good to be back here at Desert Gardens. Great to worship with you. We've all gotten up and uh, enjoyed this beautiful morning and, and made our way here to church. Isn't it great? It is so fun to come to church, you know, to sing and worship and to praise him, but also to say hi and fellowship with one another. But most of all, to read the word of God together and, and pray that our lives will be changed because we hear from the Lord. And I just want to open up in prayer and ask that the Lord would do that 
for all of us. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day. Another day to live, Lord, another day to come and have fellowship with you. Father, that is our desire. And Lord, thank you for your word that we can read it, we can study it, we can know it, we can memorize it, Lord. But most of all, we pray that we would apply it to our lives, the things that we read today, Lord. So Holy Spirit, come and give us thoughts. Script, let Scripture interpret Scripture, Lord, that we might, Lord, be a blessing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all agree saying, Amen. Hey, so open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 13 this morning. I'm going to talk about being in debt. Now, I don't know what you think about being in debt. First thing that pops into my mind, financial debt, ah, you know, we don't want to have it. And, uh, you know, but the, but the Bible is an amazing book. You know, and God put upon the hearts of men to write things down for us that we might consider even the word debt. And, and I want to encourage us all this morning and let us know that we are indebted to God, but in a good way. It's not a negative way. And so I wrote some things down, and I was just amazed on this word debt. Now, if you're like me, I don't want to be in debt. I don't think we should be in debt. You know, I want to be out of debt and retire and, and just enjoy the Lord. But we know in real life we got a mortgage, you know, maybe we got a car payment or we have some credit card bills or whatever. Be careful about all that stuff. But as we read the scriptures today, as we talk about this word debt, we're going to be challenged to be in debt to the Lord. So Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Uh, just some, a simple thought, but a little more complicated when we think about being in the Lord. But this is a, a, a good debt. And it's written by Paul to the Romans. You know, the book of Romans is amazing. You have all that doctrinal stuff, you know, verses or chapters 1 through 11. And then chapter 12, you know, being living sacrifices. And he's turns into just some practical insights of, of, you know, what it is to live the Christian life if you go from Romans 12 to the end of the, the book there, you know. But in verse 13, in, in verses 8 through 10, there's some verses here, and let's read it together. Paul writes to the Romans, and God reminds us today, owe no one anything except to love one another and this is interesting, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Interesting. He says, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear fault witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, and of course there are, covers them all right there, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And in verse 10, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, for the second time, he says, love is the fulfillment of the law. This is amazing to me. Love is the fulfillment of how God wants us to live according to his purposes. In verse 8, owe no one except, or owe no one anything except to love one another. So my mind is first like, do I owe anybody anything? And it's, it's good to consider that. I don't want to be in debt to anyone, right? Owe no man anything. And so I'm challenged. If there's, uh, if there's, I don't know, a payment that needs to be made, maybe a reconciliation. I don't, 
whatever it might be in my life, I'm automatically or already challenged, do I have a debt remaining with anyone? Do I have anything against anyone? Does anything have, or anyone have a, a, something against me? I need to take care of that. I don't want to owe no one. I don't want to be in debt. And so I'm automatically right away challenged with that thought. Owe no one anything except to love one another. So a negative to a positive. Owe no one anything except to love one another. That's a positive. So this verse on one hand encourages us to get out of debt, not owing no one anything, while on the other hand, accept the continuing debt to love one another. The NIV translation puts it this way, and I like it. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. Now, when you think about love, have you ever thought about how that's a debt that I have with Frank or Lori, my wife especially, Jan, you know, Rick, John, all of us. I owe you my love. I owe you. You ever think of that? And, and so I was really challenged this week. I'm in debt to you guys just to love you. In fact, as a Christian, we are indebted to other people, Christian or non-Christian, because it's not specified, yes? Paul is writing the church in, in Rome there, Christians. So we are indebted to one another to love one another. So here Paul declares that all Christians have the constant obligation to love one another. It's a debt we are constantly to pay against, but can never pay it off. You can never pay that off. I was just trying to digest that. The early church father, Origen, said this. He said, the debt of love remains with us permanently and never leaves us. This is a debt which we pay every day and forever owe. Every single day, you're not going to get out of this payment, this love payment, if you will, to love one another. Why is love for others called a debt? That's my mind thinking. You know. Well, we are permanently in debt to Christ for his unconditional love to us, right? When I think of a debt or when you owe somebody, you are in need, you can't get out of it. Maybe you call a friend, your parents, I don't know who it is. On your man, I need a hand. Could you lend me this or whatever? Uh, somebody blessed me a couple of weeks ago, just big time. And I said, man, I owe you, man, I owe you. And, and just out of fun, you know, I want to go bless him back because he blessed me. And, and so, you know, we're permanently in debt to Christ for the unconditional love that he has given us. We didn't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve eternal life. Through his love, he died on a cross for our sins, right? Took the penalty of it. We couldn't get out of that. And has made us righteous before God the Father forever in eternity. And he said we must love others likewise. So Jesus said this in John 15, 9 through 14. It's written to us too because we're his disciples. He said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, choice there, if, right? We should, though. You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So this debt of love includes joy. 
It's not like, oh, I gotta love Jan this morning, there she is, you know, or I gotta love, you know, Robert and, and Linda. It's not like that. It's a joy to love, isn't it? Remember for the joy that's set before him, talking about Jesus Christ, he humbled himself and became obedient upon the cross. It's a joy to love one another. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. It's a commandment. So we're in debt. It's a commandment. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So Jesus is very specific on love, isn't it? With joy. The only way we can even begin to repay this debt that we owe is by loving others. And it should always be with joy. You see, we can never stop loving somebody and say, man, I've loved you enough. I loved you like five times last week or today. I, I don't have any more to give. You know, you can't really say that to people, can you? You can't love people enough and go, oh man, that's it. So every time we meet someone, we can think to ourselves, I need to show this person the love of Christ because I have a great and wonderful debt to pay. Now, if you are in financial debt and you make payments on a mortgage or whatever, I don't know if that's considered debt, you know, you can discuss that or whatever. Isn't it a joy to make that payment? See that last one you say, oh, I, I did, it's a joy to pay your bills. You work all day and then you pay your bills, it's, it's a joy and it feels good to pay that debt. Then I was thinking my debt to you guys, to love you or whoever God puts in my, in my path, it should be a joy. I'm making a love payment to you guys, right? Just to love, and do you have a need? Share it with me. We'll pray about it, and I love that prayer time today where we can pray about the needs of people. That's just sharing love. But then going further and practically saying, how can I meet this person's need? And to actually be looking for that. I need to show this person the love of Christ because I have a, a love payment, you know? Example, if you ever had a personal debt, you, you know that the first thing that enters your mind when you see that person, oh, I owe them, you know, I better, I need to make that right, you know, thanks so much for that loan, here it is, you know, that was such a blessing. You, you automatically know that you owe that person, right? Because they have blessed you, you want to make that thing right. So because God is love, we are to love like God. Because God loves unconditionally, so must we. Unconditionally, no strings attached. I'm going to love you whether I get it back or not. That's what unconditional love is. We know that the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? And all the other things that come with that. And we've read love is the fulfillment of the law. We're not condemned by not keeping the law when we love other people. So I was entertaining this thought. We are not condemned by not keeping the law when we love other people. So many people are hung upon the law, the Old Testament law. Of course, we know that Christ is the fulfillment of the law. But here it says when we love other people, we're not bound by that law either. I love that. And when you love people, you're not harming people. And Jesus fulfilled the law by his love for us, so we fulfill the law when we love with his love. You ever uh, uh, pay forward somebody? Have you, have you heard that term, pay forward? You're in line, you know, and you're ordering your food. Oh, 
no matter the person in front of you left us, you know, and you don't have to pay, it's all on them, whoever it was, pay for it. I love that. And I'm thinking about this, because the love of Christ has been given to us, he wants us to pay it forward to other people around us. We've received the love, now pay it forward and just love other people. I love that idea. What we've been given, we give it to someone else. Our love is the true measure of our our obedience to God, right? Our love is the true measure of our obedience to God. We must love. It is a commandment, and it is a debt that we must pay continually. And how can we love in such a godly and selfless way? I'm thinking... God, how do I love other people unconditionally? You know some people are unlovable. At least that's what some people say. I don't know if it's true or not. Here, as we read the scripture, ah, you just love others. We're not identified. Okay, he uses the word neighbor, you know, but we're to love other people always. How do you do that? God provides his love to us, you know. Romans 5, 5. We are divinely enabled to pay our debt of love because the scripture says because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. No excuses now. Oh, I can't love that person. Do you know what they've done to me? It doesn't matter, right? Unconditional love. No, I can't love that person. Have you seen them? You know? Do you know how they've mistreated? There's no conditions on God's love, is there? Look at your own life. How did God forgive you of your sins? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While they beat Jesus to a pulp and crucified him, what was his prayer? Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. I love that. He had a lot of harsh things to say to the the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. But on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Man, if I can have that kind of attitude, if you can have that kind of love for other people, wow, it would really change things. And I know there's a lot of love in this room. Generally, Christians, we love unconditionally. We're not perfect, but maybe we can get better at it as we pray and ask God, help me to pay my love debt to those that are around me. God's love is already in us, so we can use it. It's there. You just have to use it to love those around us. I don't know how many of you guys go to work each day, but as I'm back in the worldly workforce, I am challenged with some coworkers, right? I gotta love them unconditionally, you know? I wanna be a witness and a light to them. Sometimes it's hard to love other people you work with, depending on the situation, you know? But I remember what Jesus said. He said, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind. Not half-heartedly. I want to love God full on, as much as I can love him, because I know that he's loved me full on. He said, this is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like it. You know it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. They just hang on this word love. And God is really interested in how we treat other people. That's really big for the Lord. How do you treat your spouse, your kids, your parents, your coworkers? 
God is really concerned in how we treat other people. Because it does make a difference in this world. They will know you're my disciples. They will know that you're Christians by your love. Love speaks volumes. And love is a verb. Love is action. Yes, it's great to say, hey, I love you. Say it a lot. But in action, it really speaks louder when you come alongside someone and you love them practically. Verses 9 and 10, you have that discharge of love and after declaring that the debt of love always remains and that love fulfills the law, Paul illustrates his point by quoting five specific Old Testament laws here. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and, and just whatever else, any other commandment, he says. So the Christian who truly loves others with God's love will not break these commandments nor any others, right? If you love somebody, you're not going to harm them. If we love God, we don't want to break the commandments. Now, unfortunately, we can't, you know, do that, but we try. And, you know, the commandments, the, the Old Testament law was just like a schoolmaster bringing us to the realization that I can't be perfect like God wants me to be. And then you recognize what Jesus has done for us. He's the fulfillment of the law. But then Paul says, love fulfills that law. And I, I just, I love that. So these commandments, they're, they're the shall nots. These are the unloving things that are forbidden. We are not loving others if we are doing these things. And God has a standard by which we should live. And so all the laws of God that concern human relationship are really summed up in this saying right here, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Thinking about loving ourselves. You love yourself? You know, sometimes we, we hear people that, you know, cut themselves or whatever, and they don't really love, they're upset, and they're not a, you know, something's not quite right there, whatever. But in general, we love ourselves, right? We feed ourselves. We clothe ourselves. Lori helps me, you know, with my clothes and stuff. That's great, because she loves me, you know. We, we provide for ourselves. We have a roof over our heads. We take care of ourselves, right? We're, we try to make sure we're not lacking in anything. We love us, so we take care of ourselves. This is, yeah, we can understand that. This is the kind of love we need to have for our neighbors. The same kind. We want to make sure that others are fed and taken care of. That others are safe. That they're clothed. That they have a, a place to live as, as well as they can be. Loving others as ourselves means that we're actively, actively involved and caring and praying and doing things for other people. Like when you greet each other. Hey, what are you doing this week? I think I said that a couple of times. Like really, how are you doing? Is there any lack? Is there anything that I can help you with? If you need anything at all, call me, you know? That kind of love and care and concern, not just, hey, how's it going? Did you have a good week? Great, and move on. It's like, no, be really concerned with people, loving them, making sure to be involved to see that their needs would be met. And verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. If we truly love others as ourselves, we will not want to do them any harm, right? 
It restrains us from everything that God forbids. Right? True love does that. It refrains us. Because I love God, I'm not going to do that. Because I love you, I'm not going to say that or do that. You see, when you love your neighbor, you will not have sex with them. Thou shalt not commit adultery. When you love your neighbor, you regard their life as valuable and you will not take it from them. That shall not murder. When you love your neighbor, you will never steal anything from them. When you love your neighbor, you will not covet or be jealous of the things that they have and want what they have. When you love your neighbor, you will love them as yourself with God's love that debt of love. Jesus made it clear that a neighbor is anyone with whom we have contact with. Who's your neighbor? You know? The literal Greek definition of neighbors is others of a different kind. Right? There's no prejudice with God either, right? And no one is exempt from our love. No one. <laughs> They're not a, you can love anyone. You can love everyone, and we should. No one is exempt from it. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Paul shares God's heart, and he declares to us that charity and, and love for others fully answers the spirit and design of the law of God. That love just supersedes all of that because you care, and you're giving them God's unconditional love that he has given you. And someone has said this, if we love God with all of our heart and other people with all of our heart, we will only want to do that which pleases God and benefits others. I like that. God help us to do that. If we would always see ourselves as love debtors, <laughs> just think how the gospel would spread. We want to love like Jesus, modeling his character and his method, modeling his unselfishness and his purity so that when others see us, they may want to turn to him in response to that love. You see, God's love comes into us. It doesn't stay there. It just goes on and on, and we just pay it forward. So in closing, the applications here. Number one, we are in debt to God because of his love given to us. We just understand that. It's our natural reaction. God loved me, I'm going to love you. And if he tells me to love other peoples, then I want to do that. I want to abide in his love. What a joy it is to love him back. I saw that as we were worshiping, you know, as we serve the Lord. It is a joy to serve the Lord. May we love him and serve him with all of our hearts, minds, and soul this day and this week. May we just abide with him continually wherever he leads us. Number two, remember that we are love debtors those around us. We are. We are in debt to one another. What a joy it is. To love other people. Love, love, love. The debt of love is a great debt to pay. So let's continue to make our love payments this week, right? And finally, number three, love your neighbor as yourself. Love any person that God puts in your path each day that you can help in practical ways. Fulfill the law of God with his love that he has given you. Those are the three applications that I want to pray about as we end our time here this morning. Father, thank you so much. For your word. Lord, help us to understand more what it means to be in debt, Lord, to other people, to you, Lord. But God, you, you give us a way out. 
You've actually given us your love so that we can love other people and just fulfill your law. Thank you for this realization. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to love unconditionally like you love us. And Lord, I pray specifically, Lord, that there would be certain situations, divine appointments, Lord, that we could practically help others that may have a need. Lord, bring them to us. And so, Father, may we love you and love others this week like never before we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The debt of love. It's a good debt. We, are, we will ever be in debt to you and in debt to those that you send to us. May we love as you love. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.